0: Hello, and welcome to Siren Coffee and Science, a series of conversations on hot topics in health and social care integration brought to you by the Social Interventions Research and Evaluation Network at the University of California, San Francisco. Today's episode was originally recorded as a live web event and has been lightly edited for this podcast.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Coffee and Science Wrap Party. We are so pleased you could join us today. Um, It's hard to believe that we kicked off this combination live event and podcast series just under a year ago. Um, We started with a podcast-only interview between SIREN founding director Laura Gottlieb, who's here today, and Professor Kirsten Bibbins Domingo. And as a reminder, in that first conversation, Kirsten introduced a framework developed by the National Academy of Medicine's Committee on the Integration of Social Care into the Delivery of Healthcare. And that framework includes five categories of ways that healthcare systems might increase awareness first day, of social context, as well as when and how they might act using that awareness. So at the patient level, the framework describes interventions relating to assisting patients in accessing social resources and adjusting care based on patient social context. And at the community level, alignment and advocacy-focused activities help to categorize healthcare systems' actions to influence the broader landscape of social resources. So since Laura and Kirsten's introduction, we've hosted 21 half hour long conversations uh, between pairs of experts every other Friday. And we use that National Academy's framework of awareness, assistance, adjustment, alignment, and advocacy to organize our talks. Today, we have a chance to come together as a community, And reflect back on highlights from those conversations including how they've influenced our work and or left us with questions that the field should tackle next. We are so fortunate that two thought leaders that we respect and admire have agreed to host this conversation. Bethany Hamilton is co-director of the National Center for Medical Legal Partnership based at George Washington University in DC and she has joined by Kelly Duran, who is an emergency physician and assistant professor of emergency medicine and population health at the NYU Grossman School of Medicine.
2: And with that, Kelly, I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you so much, Yuri, and I'm so excited to be here with everybody today. It's great to see so many people. And yeah, I'm just thrilled to be here. I was, you know, really appreciated the whole Siren Coffee and Science podcast. And I say that not just because they got me an awesome mug now, but um, it was, it was just wonderful. And, you know, Yuri mentioned the five A's and I wanted to just start by just reflecting that, that I found the five A's personally to be really helpful as a way to organize what can sometimes seem like a pretty big uh, realm of work, and to me, the the A's I thought were particularly useful because I think oftentimes when you talk to people about uh, social integration and in, in healthcare, uh, they think. Immediately of the awareness aim, like assessing people's social needs and of the assistance aim. But I think that the five A's are really useful because they help us think about other things that I actually think can help widen sort of our net and our reach, um, including to people who might not, for example, be like early adopters of integrating social care into healthcare, who maybe are a little bit skeptical. So, you know, I especially really appreciated the adjustment A because to me, that's, you know, adjustment is really just good clinical care. And I think we can kind of all agree that adjustment is is really necessary to be a good doc, to be a good provider. And then I also really appreciated having some explicit focus on the advocacy A, because I think that one of the big kind of critiques that we often hear, um, which is totally well-founded, is that a, a lot of what's really going to help our patients sits outside of the healthcare realm, right? It's about expanding housing for everybody, tearing down structural racism, you know, making sure everybody has healthy food. And a lot of that's really not directly inside healthcare. So kind of the skeptics there are sort of right. And the advocacy A really gets us there by helping to show how we can use our voices in healthcare in a meaningful way. Um, And then there, you know, I could go on and on about specific moments, but we do want for some audience integration or or audience uh, participation as well. So I'm going to um, ask a question. So what is your all's kind of favorite moments or episodes from the siren coffee and podcast series what resonated most with you with your own work your practice your research and audience can participate either in the chat or by using the little raise hand function but while you're thinking the episode I've listened to three times now is um, the episode with Megan Sandal and Rhea Boyd uh, first of all they're both just like amazing. And I had total like fangirl experience listening to that episode. But I also feel like they they really kind of turned things on their head, but in a good way. You know, they talked a lot about, you know, maybe some of the downsides, right, of trying to uh, medicalize uh, social needs too much. Uh, they talked about Um, really highlighting how we need to consider structural racism in our work to avoid uh, our actions actually perpetuating inequities. And they really talked about kind of tearing down those structures and metaphorical walls that contribute to who's sick and and who's healthy in the U.S. So that's one episode that I just keep coming back to.
1: I'll jump in to say that I I personally loved um, that first episode where Stacy was peering out like, like from her plant (laughs) that totally made me uh, kind of set the tone for all of them. But I really appreciated uh, additionally the episode with, with Monica um, and I just the sort of. real insights she had about the intersection of, of screening and navigation programs and racial health equity. Um, I, I thought that it was, um, yeah, it was both vulnerable and brilliant. Um, I thought that that was a moment I will always remember.
2: Bethany first. I'm really interested, Bethany, in hearing more about what were some of your favorite moments of this series?
3: Sure. So for, um, you know, Roots Community Health Center, I I just wanted to note, you know, I'm a little bit biased here. I've done reentry law work and um, programmatic work and policy work for community health centers. Um, So, you know, I found that even in my own work, um, as many of you all have that When someone has an interaction with the criminal justice system, that can have very real and long term effects on their health and their access to social systems and their trajectories in life, right? So learning more about this clean 360 social enterprise program, which is a very, very unique approach, right, where uh, Roots Community Health Center said, hey, we're going to step back away from uh, simply chasing after the payments for for these billable visits and really find out what is it that is the true barrier or unmet need for our patients um, that's health harming. They took that step to look at the data like many of you all are, but tap into a totally, well, unique, not totally different. Maybe some of you are dabbling into this, right? But I think it's very unique for them to dabble into procurement strategies, right? This is not just enabling services. This is not just looking at health center um, operational or clinical staffing. This is truly like looking at how you can leverage what you're already doing in, in a way that addresses the um the community social, economic and health outcomes as well as the individual out- outcomes of the of the individuals being served. Um and just like the roots of the community health center movement, right? You know, that's that health center saying we're going to get back to our roots (laughs) as roots community health center and you know truly jump into this business space we're going to look for the funding then that actually addresses the needs we've identified um and stop playing defense start playing offense so um i really really love that episode it made uh it brought a a, it just humanized um i think a really business centric approach or business Aspect of healthcare. Um, loved it. Really resonated. Love to see. I'm going to check out the chat now to see what what others found.
2: I see two other votes for Megan Sandel and Rhea Boyd's episode. And um, mm-hmm. Samantha Kumar from out here in New York City specifically noted uh, appreciating the points about equity being a process and not only an outcome.
3: Mm hmm. That's right. That's right. Another one really appreciated the Ohio folks um, who spoke uh, in mid October. And, you know, I don't know how many folks tuned in. If you haven't heard that one yet, that's where um, Kelleher and Reverend uh, Ed uh, talked about their community hospital collaborations to improve neighborhoods. And, um, you know, towards the end of that conversation, they start to get to, I think, what um, in this social interventions and research space, many of us are, uh, what gives us a lot of anxiety, what can cause a lot of frustration, which is really trying to make the case, right? Gather the evidence, make the case, prove the health outcomes of these social interventions. They had such a frank and honest conversation. It was really refreshing for me to hear them say that on a public platform um, that, you know, it's not just so easy to prove and make the case about the bottom line value of community development work. Um, and then take the next step, which is to show what we're all trying to show is that, um, you know, how does this work actually with the way it's structured, right? It's long term, these are long term interventions we're talking about, right? So, how do you, with these long term interventions and short term studies, get to prove? the health outcomes of the the work. This is something we all talk about, um, but to hear them say it on a public platform was super, super helpful. And then I would encourage everybody to just listen (laughs) um, to that episode to learn more about what that community hospital collaboration is doing to really improve neighborhoods.
2: Ooh, I have like so much to say on those long-term outcomes, short-term research, but I did mm-hmm. want to—I want to read a couple of things from the chat too. You know that um, somebody chimed in about the Ohio example, uh, also that it had highlighted the personal relationships that had been created through the work. And then um, there were, uh, somebody had written about uh, really enjoying the episode with Darlene Oliver Hightower talking about Rush and their work. And then this I thought was a a great comment in the chat. I loved hearing from social workers and social work scholars, the field of social work has been doing this type of work in the healthcare field for a hundred plus years. And for anyone interested in expanding research partnerships, look to your schools of social work and, you know, totally. I think having a lot of humility here Like the humility, recognizing Mm -hmm. that the discipline of medicine is not the only or the first to look at these issues. Right. So important.
3: Yeah, no, I really, I really agree with that one. You know, even when I talk about medical legal partnership, you know, I-, I always come back to talking about folks who have been doing this for so long, the folks in social work. Um, and then I talk about justice, right, and say, you know, justice doesn't only happen in courts, right. And there are more than lawyers who can carry out or are responsible for justice, same thing for healthcare; It's more than your clinicians, right, that are responsible for health outcomes. Um, and I think, every single one of these episodes touched on that um collaborative uh who do we hold accountable sort of uh approach the community level uh collaboration that's involved really appreciate that comment as well
2: and i wanted to highlight another comment um from donna castelblanco in new york city really pointing to how the podcast inspired some action so uh, she wrote Uh, There were so many incredible podcast episodes relevant to their work, Uh, top few were intersection of racism, discrimination, and social risk screening in clinical settings, community health workers and social care integration, and using clinical decision support tools to contextualize care, and these and many others overlapped with pilot projects and or inspired pilot Mm -hmm. projects from Department of Health in New York City, so that's awesome to hear.
3: Agreed, agreed. So Kelly, I'm wondering if you got to mention, you know, some additional episodes that resonated with you. I know, um, you know, several folks called out that that political determinants of health episode. What were some of your favorites?
2: Oh, thanks for asking me, because there are so many favorites. You know, the one that I mentioned, but I do also want to call out one of the ones toward the end. I think it was episode 19 with uh, Bikha Pham and Mike Kaprowski mm-hmm. on taking action on housing as a political determinant of health. That one I just thought was, you know, really you know, in some ways, like just nice to hear too, because it it talked about how our voices Mm -hmm. from within healthcare really can be powerful for advocacy, also very timely right now, in terms of uh, talking about the Build Back Better Act and some of the larger structural investments in housing, uh, that it's really what we need to, to push health forward for our patients.
3: Agreed, agreed. It's like seeing policy also, or policymakers also swim upstream, right? totally
2: agree. Scrolling through the chat to see what we missed. Harrison Alter mentioned procurement is a huge piece of anchor institution transformation and way underappreciated. And I think that was uh, mm-hmm. in reference to when Bethany was talking about the episode um, around the social enterprise.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think back at the beginning of the pandemic, and this is alluded to in that same episode, right, how Um, having that social enterprise approach allowed that health center to be really nimble and actually provide um, like, you know, hand sanitizers for the community, right? There was around the country an immediate uh, recognition that all providers in all settings really needed PPE. Um, And I think, you know, policymakers, um, you know, unfortunately, just because of the systems, right, um, and and the structures in, in policymaking are at play, even though the public health emergency was declared, uh, it took a little bit longer to also leverage policies in place to bring that PPE to healthcare providers. So having that sort of um, business uh, social enterprise approach, um, I think, you know, something to be learned uh, from what Roots Community Health Center and others who have leveraged their procurement strategies Um, that's that's really I I think it's you know we need to carry that forward best practice right how can you continue to look at your procurement strategies and the role that you can play as um, a business in the community um sometimes that's a little bit of and this may also have been alluded to in in the in the in the in that particular episode right it's that um thinking about or marrying the two, right, approaches, being a nonprofit, being a community-based provider, along with being a business. Um, Sometimes it's a little hard for those of us in the public interest or nonprofit space, Um, but there's proof in the pudding out in Oakland as to how you can make it work. Um, And they also alluded to themselves or or call themselves, you know, a think tank. And so I think, you know, when we talk about the five A's, it's important to um, understand, you know, in advocacy, What is your role as um, the keeper of very rich data on um, the facts that will lead to the strong um, uh, uh, and effective advocacy approaches for the communities uh, that you're serving? Speaking of the Build Back Better Act, right? We need to know if what's being proposed uh, will actually work. The implementation is what will ultimately matter here. So Kelly, I've got another question for you. It would be great to hear from you. What if any um, research um, do you think would actually help since we're talking about funding, right? Mentioned Build Back Better and and in a lot of these episodes, it's talking about funding. What do you think um, in the research space would help make funding for social care more permanent? You know, we, I. this is the never ending struggle. How do we make it more permanent and how do we encourage more research? And are there places where you would Venture to, you know, uh, say that research won't help.
2: Yeah, this is a really important question, a really hard one. I'm also going to tap the audience to put your answers to this question in the chat because I think that we can all learn from each other. And, uh, you know, to me, I I think. In general, right, research in this whole field, like we're still in some ways, like in very early days, it feels a little bit young still in terms of the research. And there are some areas, you know, uh, particularly around kind of the awareness, a the kind of assessing for social needs where we have more research than others, although there's still more that could be done there right about, you know, how, how do we kind of do more precision assessing and uh, how do we avoid Kind of uh, perpetuating inequities, things like that. But you know, in terms of thinking about funding, I I, I think that the piece. Where we still need a lot of research is around um, doing more research that let us know what types of interventions work and how to implement them effectively in a way that makes sense. And I'm gonna say something that's maybe counterintuitive when in terms of thinking about, you know, how do we sustain funding? You know, I think there's been a big focus on, on ROI, right? Return on investment and how do we show that these, these interventions essentially save the healthcare system money and I actually think we might need a little less of that and a little mm-hmm. more focus on, on mm-hmm. the outcomes around making people healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been some, some good research that's done that, but I think we could use more, You know, I think we could think really creatively around not just gold standard randomized control trial designs, but around Quasi-experimental designs and multi-phase type uh, optimization studies that let us really tailor interventions. But um, you know, and you alluded to this, Bethany. I think that a lot of the real action is like outside of the research realm. It's more like a policy and big picture question around like how and what we fund in our country and why, and mm-hmm. like thoughtfully considering our roles sitting within this like four trillion dollar healthcare system. Uh, And and what really we need to do to to produce optimal and equitable health outcomes to people. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's stuff in the in the chat that that we can read. And, you know, Bethany, I'm also really interested to hear from you Mm -hmm. kind of related to that and just forecasting like future needs. and, And what do we do? What do we need to do to really move the needle forward here?
3: Yeah, I I really appreciate your um, you're much closer to research than I am. Don't consider myself a researcher. And I agree. I think we should really ask ourselves, you know, how can we better structure funding for research to uh, actually align with our goals and the long term outcomes that we really want to see? How how do we pose the right evaluation questions? How do we set up metrics that um even if what we find out in the end, right, um, isn't what we are ultimately aiming for. It's not punitive um, uh, and and undermining the entire approach, right? So we don't want to set up Research and evaluations to basically um, prevent people from you know being open about the so-called um, not so good things that they found out as a result of their research. We want that to actually be applied so that you can improve whatever you are evaluating. Um, but I think it's key that we truly also ask ourselves, you know, how are we defining health? Um, Kelly, you 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 hit the nail on the head, right? I think. Um, there are many systems at play here. And I really hope we can get to investing into social interventions without always thinking about ROI in terms of the monetary return on the investment, right? And since we are all talking about long-term outcomes, right? how can we, even if we do wanna look at the financial or economic benefit of that investment, are you looking at the right timeline to measure the, the, the financial um, or economic effects <laughs> if, if that's what your uh, interest is as a stakeholder. Um, so you know, how do we structure funding for the long-term uh, outcomes? How do we define health since it is happening in more than just the healthcare uh, delivery settings? And then, because I love uh, creating spaces for innovation and experimentation, how do we give researchers the freedom, community partners the freedom, uh, the healthcare systems themselves, and the people that we all serve that safe space and freedom to actually innovate? Right. We see that in uh, the private sector, innovation is celebrated and it's allowed to flourish. Right in environments that um, you know uh, speak to deregulation or you know just ensuring that folks aren't punished for their experimentation. Right. I think. I think, right, those who serve um, communities that are, you know, um, longstanding, are, you know, communities with unmet needs, they should have that same freedom to innovate without having so many strings attached, right, where you're spending more time with administration than you are with the program itself. This is not to say that folks shouldn't be held accountable, right, for the dollars uh, that are being spent. But what it's asking is, are you even being equitable in terms of like what those requirements are that you're setting for the funding to support the public health interventions, the social interventions and the research? Those are my thoughts, Kelly.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. And as you were talking to people were putting some like very amazing comments in the chat, some very related. So one that just came in kind of related to what you were just saying, Uh, Bethany is from uh, Matilda Allen noting, like, I do worry that setting unrealistic expectations for outcomes will damage these programs when they don't perform as expected. And, you know, that's really key because in the end, right, like if we're giving somebody housing or food, right, (laughs) that's an end goal in and of itself, right? People should have housing and food. It doesn't need to result in some ROI in terms of like their healthcare visits. And then also related, Mm -hmm. there was a comment um, from uh, uh, somebody else that said, in recent conversations with patients, there are so many benefits to doing this work beyond trying to connect folks to services. I think better making connections and promoting for policies that improve communities are essential, but also when done well, patients say they feel seen and cared for when their social contexts are acknowledged. And I, I actually think that some of the most powerful, research that we've seen related to this space um, has been studies. For example, there was a study by um, Antoinette Schoenthaler who's from NYU that that basically showed that, that just having the conversation, the patients felt kind of more seen and acknowledged and better about their providers.
3: That's right. That's right. You know, we we see this over and over, even who uh, is the provider, right? Does that provider look like, speak like, come from the communities or cultural competency that's being addressed, right? That leads to the trust factor and along the way of course right the health outcomes that um, providers desire and then you know i'm i'm keeping an eye on some really awesome work that's going on around the country but particularly you know in dc where they're looking at measures of patient well-being how does the patient him or herself perceive their well-being right and where's that data collected and then ultimately who do you hold accountable that um i think is the beauty of bringing all of the Folks to the table to really talk about not just the health interventions, but these integrated social interventions uh, that uh, impact um, down the road health, but immediately, as you said, Kelly, the social needs, Um, and there's nothing wrong with counting that as as an impactful uh, intervention. And
2: that might, you know, I'm reading all these comments. I want to read every single comment uh, like out loud. And I'm sure, Bethany, like I would love to have a conversation with you forever, but probably it's time for us to turn it back over to Yuri to wrap things up. I think so. I think so. I
1: am loath to do so because this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, we're so grateful to you both, Bethany and Kelly. We couldn't have asked for better guests to end Coffee and Science on a high note. So, Thank you. And uh, thanks to everyone for coming and sharing all your great comments that I look forward to reading through. Um, I know this is a mostly research crowd and you all know just how important evaluation is. So uh, let me remind you to please complete our short survey on coffee and science. Uh, We've dropped the link in the chat a few times. I think Dylan's going to drop it And again, right now, last, definitely not least, you all are the first uh, to find out that SIREN is organizing a virtual national research meeting in May, 2022. So uh, while Coffee and Science is coming to an end, there will still be plenty of opportunities to pursue hot topics in health and social care integration in the new year. Um, So thanks again, and I hope you all have a wonderful, End of the year.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Siren Coffee and Science series, a project of the Social Interventions Research and Evaluation Network at UCSF. Raven Forest Communications does our editing and sound design. Susan Shepherd designed our cover art, and Aurelien Joukla composed our music. Laura Gottlieb, Dylan Gonzalez, and Yuri Cartier that's me produce the podcast and the live event series. Join us for our next live event by visiting sirenetwork.ucsf.edu. Questions or comments? Email us at siren at ucsf.edu. And lastly, let it be known that the views and opinions of the participants on this podcast do not necessarily state or reflect those of the Regents of the University of California, UCSF, UCSF Medical Center, or any entities or units thereof. Take care.